Dr. Jensen Long is my name. Long is my name, but Kitty is my game. I am a nephrologist and I'm also the co-college tutor at Derby. Lovely. And um, you're going to talk to us today a little bit about paces and yes. some renal um, conditions that might come up in the exam. Yes, yes. Um, I'm an examiner of paces. So um, I think I should share some of something I learned by being an examiner to all of you. The first thing you need to know is that the examiners are there to pass you. They're not there to trick you, they're there to help you. So when an examiner challenges you, asks you, are you sure? If he asks you once, sometimes it might be because you're a bit hesitant, might be because you're not sure, so they might ask you once. But they ask you twice, it means that you had answered something wrong. So do think about your answer to see whether, is it something I missed or something that I suppose should have gone down another route. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the abdominal station, yes. what sort of common renal conditions can come up? Oh yes, a most common one would be a kidney transplant. And polycystic kidney could be one as well. And um, but kidney transplant are much more much more common and also the patient are in general very well. Either pure kidney transplant or or simultaneous kidney pancreas transplant. The signs to look out for start with the hands. So, and a type 1 diabetic in particular, you see the tattoos on their fingers, and particularly the left little finger, because most people are right-handed and they like stepping the little finger. So, looking the left little finger and um, and the ring finger for the telltale sign of the tattoo from from repeated BM monitoring, and then you look at the hand, try to stretch it out, you see a fine tremor. A fine tremor is a very common side effect of tacholomus, which every one of them take when they have a kidney transplant or or SPK and uh, the arms the arms you look for fistula or scars from previous fistula and then move on to the neck the neck you will see sign from previous line insertion and there might be a scar from previous power thyroidectomy so don't miss them and then the tummy you will see the, the telltale scar of kidney transplant a hockey stick shaped scar in either left or right eye left fossa for SPK, they would have a laparotomy scar rather than a hockey stick scar. Also look for scars from previous peritoneal dialysis. You will see a, a little bit line scar where the chip goes in and a circular scar on in the side where the chip came out. Do be careful. Sometimes we see, you see the scar of kidney transplant. Doesn't necessarily mean that the kidney is underneath it because we take them out every now and then. So when you see the scar, suggest they might be a transplant kidney, but do feel for it and don't just assume there's one underneath. And another thing is, obviously, if a patient has a kidney transplant, there's an extra renal artery. So when you do auscultation, make sure you listen over the transplant kidney to see if there's any um, transplant artery stenosis, any bruit over the transplant kidney. Lovely. So you mentioned looking for a scar for the yeah. parathyroidectomy. Yes. Yeah. Can you explain a bit more about why patients need that operation? Patients with kidney failure would have secondary hyperparathyroidism from hypocalcemia because they can't change the vitamin D to the active vitamin D, the 125-dihydroxycholecalciferol. You secondary hyperparathyroidism is desirable. It's what keeps you alive from dying from hypocalcemia. But when you have renal failure for a while, it becomes autonomous or tertiary hyperparathyroidism. It's a time when, um, despite you correcting calcium, the parathyroid hormone doesn't get suppressed, then at that time you might have to think about um, the patient needing to have their parathyroidectomy. Otherwise, they will have um, a lot of bone disease because of the rampant hyperparathyroidism. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. And you talked as well about examining fistulas. Where might you find them and how do you how do you assess them? Uh, the fistula either at the wrist or the armpit. So they're either uh, radiocephalic or radiobasilic, brachial basilic or brachiocephalic. It doesn't actually matter because uh, one thing actually quite important is um, when the examiner got assigned to a station, the college would avoid having a specialist examine you. So when you actually in those states with, with renal case, you are highly unlikely being examined by a nephrologist because it's not fair on you. So a lot of people don't really know much about fistula. So you don't need to go very technical on the fistula. Just know that it's an artery and a vein at the wrist or at the, at the armpit and important things you need to know whether it's working or not working when there's a brewery when there's a thrill it's working when there's no brewery there's no thrill that's not working but you just say there's a fistula you don't need to say radiocephalic or brachiobasilic or brachiocephalic that's for the four just know mm-hmm. yeah and one of the top tips i was given when revising was for paces was yeah. if you see a um a bandage over the forearm yeah. or the uh, armpit as you say and yeah. um, to have a feel over it yeah, to yeah. see if you can feel a thrill feel a thrill and little brewery they'll be very obvious oh that's another thing good point just remind me sometimes if, if the fistula is in a brachial position brachial cephalic in particular they are very strong so when you listen to the heart what you might hear over the precordium is a transmitted bruit rather than a murmur. Don't get confused. So when you hear a whoosh whoosh sound when you listen to the, the aortic area, that patient actually had the right fistula. Just listen through it. So it might be a transmitted bruit rather than a murmur. Okay. I believe one of the common questions you get asked is what are the most common causes of end-stage renal failure yes. and people requiring hemodialysis? Yes. Most common cause in this country um, probably currently is diabetic. It wasn't, but now it's diabetic. 50% of our patients on dialysis are, are diabetes. Mm-hmm. And um, another most common cause is chronic glomerulonephritis or small kidneys. And a lot of them probably don't have a formal diagnosis of glomerulonephritis. We suspect they have a chronic GN. And more and more often now patients are getting older. So renal vascular disease is another, another common cause as well. They're the top three causes. All the others are, are a lot more rare. Um, polycystic kidney disease for example is a distant fourth or fifth yeah mm-hmm. so are there any other signs to look out for that might lead you to decide on the cause of the renal failure yeah um, obviously when they have uh, polycystic kidney disease then you can feel the polycystic kidney they are very obvious uh, a, a big enormous mass you can feel um, palatable on both sides the right kidney is actually quite hard to feel they um, nearly always have polycystic liver disease. So the liver become enlarged and the kidney enlarged and merge into one big organ. On the right side, you, you feel something hard, but it might not be palatable because the liver and the kidney are becoming uh, one big mass. But on the left side, the kidney should be quite easily palatable. So when I teach students, they will feel the left kidney first because it's palatable and the right side, it might not be because the liver is in the way. And another thing to um, to look for is the kidney transplant. There are no other signs on the body to suggest the cause of kidney failure. Is look at the ear to see if it's a hearing aid, particularly in men. And um, because Oppo syndrome is an X-linked disorder, then they also had a conductive hearing defect. So they will have a hearing aid and, and a kidney transplant. So it is a thing to look out for as well. Thanks for that. Um, do you have any other tips for any of the other stations? Oh, yes. Um, so... Station 5. Station 5 for the next two diet, as you know, is still the, the old style, the 10 minutes station, which is 8 minutes. You have your patient 2 minutes discussion. And they, in general, try to bring patients with signs that you can, you can see. And one in particular that 
patients are quite quite popular to come is patient acromegaly. So when you see a patient, not sure what's going on, ask yourself this question: Has a patient got acromegaly? Because sometimes if you don't ask yourself, you might not realize they got acromegaly. And then once you know the acromegaly, everything is easy. You can talk about head size, shoe size, and visual field defects, diabetes, blah blah blah. But once you got it, it's easy. But do ask yourself. And another thing is um you know that in a session two, for example, that you take a history. But you know that you need to be assessed for your skill six, which is about patient's concern. So if you just keep taking history without asking concern, then I can't give you any mark on session six. So when you're taking history, do every now and then ask, have you got any concern? Is anything bothering you? Then I can give you the mark for skill six. Otherwise, I can't if you just keep trying to make a diagnosis without asking concern. Thank you. Thank you very much.